0: Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figaretti for this week's message. Well, hello, and welcome back to our series, The Spirit Realm. We're spending four weeks, this is week two of a four-week series, looking at the world around us that we can't see, the Spirit Realm. And if you missed last week, I want to invite you to go back to our website, VineyardWheeling.com, and catch that message, because it really kind of paints a picture and sets a context for what we're going to be talking about this week and in the weeks to come. So check that out. But to catch you up real quickly... The, the, the premise of, of the whole series is that God has wired us as we are spiritual creatures. We're having a human experience. We're confined to these bodies, but we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And because of that, there is a longing deep in our heart for spiritual things. We're wired for it. God has made us that way. And that longing drives us to fill the longing, right? That's what longings do. Hunger, hunger drives us to fill and fulfill the hunger. And, and the problem is we end up looking in the wrong places. We end up settling for things like success or uh, drugs and alcohol or whatever else uh, we want to put relationships, whatever we want to put in that place of that hunger and that longing. Um, and sometimes we settle you know, on the religious side of things. Sometimes we settle for you know, good theology or uh, moral, some kind of moral code or, or good biblical teaching. And there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, we're super necessary. Theolo- good theology is, is important. A good moral code is important. Good biblical teaching, those are all important things. But those aren't the point. And ultimately, they don't satisfy the longing in our heart for the spiritual realm. See, God made you to experience him personally. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. And until you understand that, life doesn't really make sense. And until you experience that, life doesn't really come to life. It just doesn't. So today, what I'm going to share with you has the potential to elevate your life to another level. It has the potential to change the way you see the world, the way you interact with the world. Today's message is a pretty important message. Now, we live in the age of the Spirit. Did you know that? Did you know that the world has not always been the same throughout history? But there are different ages that have have unfolded over, the, over history. And things changed from age to age. And we live in a very specific age right now, the age of the spirit. But back at the beginning, when God created everything, the heavens and the earth and human beings, and he made the first, the first people, uh, Adam and Eve, and he put them in this garden, and they had this amazing relationship. There was no wall of separation between God and God and humans between the spirit realm and the the human realm we were we're connected adam and eve had the bible describes this amazing intimate uninhibited relationship with god they would go for walks uh, every day in the cool cool of the day they would go for walks in the garden having conversations with their heavenly father and it was this beautiful spiritual physical i don't even know exactly how to describe it but it was this Unimpeded relationship and that 's what you were made for, and that 's what I have been made for. but Adam and Eve made a fatal error the, uh, Satan shows up and, and, and begins to talk them out of following God and, and tricks them, and they take a step they take a step of disobedience and they end up eating from this tree that God told them not to eat from. They directly disobey God and we're taught that that sin uh, entered the world at that point. That, that that was not just an act of disobedience. That was something that broke God's perfect balance in this world and broke, in a, a very real way, a relationship with God. See, what sin does is it puts up a wall of separation between us and God. And that sin, it just wasn't Adam and Eve. It spread until every human being on the planet was infected with sin and the whole planet was infected with the consequences of sin. Well, as, as life unfolds for a couple thousand years, we're in an age after this event, we're in an age where, where human beings don't have a spiritual connection with God. Oh, every once in a while, uh, the Spirit of God would show up in a profound way to a, a, a specific person, like a prophet, so that, that God could guide and lead his people. And so you would see the Spirit show up and guide and direct and, and interact with, with a person every now and then. He would empower a prophet to lead his people, but it was seldom and it was sporadic and it was always strategic. It was nothing that was available to the, the mass population. And, and in this time, there's this collective longing for this connection that we were created for that has been broken because of this wall of separation. And in about 900 B.C., about 900 years before Jesus shows up, a prophet speaking for God, the prophet Joel, said these words. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. There's coming a day... God is saying, where I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people, things are going to change again. There's a new age coming. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. In other words, your sons and daughters will hear my voice, be able to, to give direction just like, just like the, uh, the prophets of old. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. In those days, this was a dark age. This was an age where, where people did not have that spiritual connection with God personally. Sure, a prophet did, or, you know, a in its, its specific individual from time to time, but there was a collective hunger, a collective, because we were wired to be spiritually connected with our Heavenly Father. Well, we live now in the age of the Spirit. Something happened, something shifted, and it started with Jesus. I mean, I think we kind of know that, but Jesus initiates this new age, this age where people can be connected with the Spirit. Jesus shows up, and, and Jesus is fully human, but he is also fully God, and the Spirit of God is strong with Jesus. Everywhere he goes, spiritual stuff happens. He walks on water. He's able to heal people and all, is always doing that. If he comes into contact with somebody who might be demonized, the demons are like, "Whoa, hey, please don't don't hurt us!" You know, they, I mean, wherever he goes, the Spirit of God is just just stirring things up, and it's the beginning of this new age. But Jesus understood that the fullness of that age couldn't come until he left. And he tells his disciples on one occasion, they don't want him to ever leave. They want this new kingdom of God. They want an earthly kingdom. And and they want to be on the the royal court. And they want him to stay around forever. And Jesus is like, no, no, I got to go. And it's better for you if I do go. He says in John 16, verse 7, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. Now, the word there for advocate is translated a couple different ways. It's it's helper, it's uh, comforter, it's counselor. It's the, the, the word is Parakletos in the in the original language, but in the, the New International Version, they um, they call him the advocate a lot. Jesus is like, look, I got to go. Like You are experiencing the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's with me and you're bumping into him everywhere you go, Uh, but I got to go so I can send him to you. Now, I ask you this question. Uh, If you were the disciples, would you you want to be with Jesus personally, like you could hang out with him all the time, Uh, in the flesh, see him, touch him, all of that, or would you be buying this thing that he's saying about, I got to go? He says he's, he's got to go, and it's going to be better for them if he does. And the reason why is because when he sends the Holy Spirit and turns the page into this new age, this age of the Spirit, the Spirit is going to be available to everyone who, who, who is open to him. He, he, will, he will come and live inside Individuals, and rather than having Jesus, who functionally can hang out with in a in a meaningful way with about twelve people, he is now inside of two point two billion people, two point two billion points of life. It's light. It's way, way better if he goes. Now, Jesus, this is this is so cool. Jesus came primarily to deal with the wall of separation. You remember back in the garden, Adam and Eve's sin, it puts up this wall of separation between God and us, Between this is spiritual connection, There's, there's a barrier there, and Jesus comes to deal with that. And the way he deals with it is he dies on the cross. See, the payment for sin is death. And so he comes, he lives a sinless life, and then he goes to the cross, and he dies as a sacrifice in our place so that sin can be, be paid for, so the wall of separation can come down, and so that we can reestablish this spiritual connection with God that doesn't start when we die, but it starts right now. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, dying, and he breathes his last one, one Uh, account of the story says he says it is finished it is finished and then he breathes his last breath in Matthew 27 verse 50 it says and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice he gave up his spirit in other words he died and at that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom this is such a profound event because the the curtain in the temple Separated the the inner sanctum, the holy of holies, from the people. God's presence lived in the inner sanctum. The curtain separated God's people from God's presence. But the moment that Jesus dies, the curtain is torn in half, and God just left the building so he can live in you. It's no longer about buildings, it's about a personal relationship with God a spiritual relationship and connection with him living inside of us and he gave access to the spiritual realm to anyone who would follow him jesus is one day is out in the field talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman. He's not supposed to be talking to her because Jesus isn't in their culture. They're not supposed to be talking to women alone. Uh, and they're, they're certainly uh, not supposed to talk to Samaritans. Samaritans were, were kind of their enemies. And Jesus didn't care. He kind of broke a lot of the rules. And he was spending this time with this Samaritan woman having a conversation. And the conversation turns to religious things. And she's got questions. Because the Samaritans, they, it's They practice a form of Judaism, but it's all been changed, and they have their own beliefs. And she's like, you know what? You Jews say that we have to worship in the temple in Jerusalem, right, in that location. And, you know, our people say it needs to be over here on this mountain, and that's where God is. And she's like, what what are you saying? Jesus Jesus says, look, it's not about buildings. He, he, He says a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father In the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus says, look. Here's how, this, here's how this goes. It doesn't matter if you're in Jerusalem. It doesn't matter if you're on a hill. It's not going to be about religion. It's going to be about a personal connection with God in the spirit. And when God's spirit is in you, you worship God in spirit, and he leads you to truth, as we're going to see here in a minute. See, God, Jesus, God didn't send Jesus to come reiterate his moral code or to clarify theology, although he did those things. But he sent Jesus to provide direct access to God himself. That was the point. And it was with the coming and the going of Jesus that this page of history changes from where there's a wall of separation to where that wall of separation can be dissolved and we can have a connected relationship with the God of the universe now. Now. The Holy Spirit is our connection to God in this life. This isn't just for when we die and go to heaven. This is for now. And the Holy Spirit is the one who provides it. Jesus, one evening, he's, he's sitting by the fire with his disciples, and there's a guy, uh, one of the religious leaders shows up. His name's Nicodemus, and he's curious. I, I, I think Nicodemus was a genuine um, seeker. Like he wanted to know who Jesus was because most of the religious class had written Jesus off. He was going to be a problem for them. But Nicodemus was intellectually honest enough to look at Jesus and go, nobody can do this unless God's with him. And so he shows up and he's having this conversation with Jesus and he's trying to get his arms around and wrestling with what it means that Jesus is here and who Jesus is and the things that he didn't understand. And, and Jesus Jesus is like, look, Nicodemus, you had to be born again. And and Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? How can you be born again? You can't go back into your mom and then be born a second time. That wouldn't work. That's not physically possible. Nicodemus asks, what are you talking about, Jesus? Jesus isn't talking about physical things. He's talking about spiritual things. And he answers him, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus says nobody can be born again. Nobody can intersect with the kingdom of God in a meaningful way. Experience the presence of God in a meaningful way unless they are born spiritually. He says of water and the spirit. Water symbolizes baptism. Baptism is is an outward manifestation of our inward decision to turn from the things in our lives that we know are wrong and choose to follow Jesus. And it is an outward statement saying, I am with Jesus. I'm his follower. And so we're born of water. We make those decisions. We choose to follow him. And the spirit, the spirit moves in and changes things flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit we don't come alive spiritually until the holy spirit is in us see nicodemus had the head part mastered he just lacked the heart part he had been practicing religion knew more about religion than anybody else alive in his day but he had not experienced a relationship with the living God. And when we make that choice to follow Jesus, when we invite him into our lives, he moves in, the spirit realm moves into our lives and fills that empty place inside. The, um, I, I, I've heard... You know, I'm going to give you several analogies. None of them are adequate, but maybe together they'll help you get your head around what it means to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. One would be just the analogy of a balloon. Like our hearts have this place and it's expandable. Like the more we <laughs> blow into a balloon, the, the bigger it gets. And the Holy Spirit fills us and goes on filling that. And we've got this space that's, that's made just for him. And when it's full, we're full. When it's empty, you feel the empty. The famous mathematician Pascal wrote about. He was also a theologian, and he wrote about uh, a God-shaped vacuum in the human heart. That God designed us with a with this space inside that that only He can fill. But that hunger drives us to try and fill it with all kinds of things, like you know, success or. Uh, pleasure or relationships or whatever else and we try and fill our lives with things that don't fulfill because only God fills that empty. I like the analogy because it includes a motorcycle of a motorcycle. Now I could go to the, the motorcycle store and buy the nicest, coolest, all tricked out beautiful motorcycle and I could bring it home and I could stick it in my driveway and I could admire it. I mean, it's, it, it is a work of art, the way they design and engineer the, the engines and the, the paint job. And it's just cool because I like motorcycles. It's just cool. It's fun. But if I don't put gas in the motorcycle, that motorcycle will never realize the purpose that it was made for. It wasn't made to sit in my driveway. It was made to ride down the highway at high rates of speed. And it will never come alive. And it will never have power and it will never accomplish its purpose until you put gas in the tank. And I think in a very real way, that's what our lives are like. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. We've got this place where the spirit of God wants to live inside of us. And until he's there, we don't have the power we need to go down the highway. We don't have what we need to come alive. It's just like a motorcycle sitting in the driveway. It's kind of a waste. Now, some things you need to understand about the Holy Spirit. The first thing is this. He is a person. He is not an it. He is not an aura. He is not the force. He is a person. In John chapter 14 in verse 16 and 17, um, it says this. Jesus talking to his disciples, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or helper to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So Jesus, Jesus talked about this on a lot of occasions. He's like, look, I'm going to be sending you the Holy Spirit. He's coming. He's going to help you. And he, says, and he goes on, and I want you to notice here, I want you to notice the he's and the hymns. He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. Two things here, one, for he lives with you and he will be in you. This is before Jesus dies on the cross, right? The Holy Spirit is all around Jesus, in Jesus. He's everywhere, but he's not in the disciples yet. He's not in anybody yet because Jesus hasn't taken care of the wall of separation yet. That will happen in a little bit, right? Now he's with you and he will be in you, Jesus says. But more significantly, notice this, it's him 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 he it is not it ever the holy spirit is not now i heard one pastor say at one point in time i think the uh, i think god made a mistake in calling the holy spirit uh, the holy spirit because when you say the holy spirit you don't think of a him you think of a you know whatever you should have called him bob i don't know that that would have worked really well but he is a person the third person of the trinity Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He has personality. He is not a force. He's not in it. He is not just an idea. I mean, heck, you can bum the Holy Spirit out. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You, can't, you don't grieve a force or an aura. You grieve a person. You don't bum out a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. You know, the Holy Spirit also, this is super important. He reveals truth. In this day and age that we live in, we need God showing us what is true more now than ever. In John 16, 13, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He is the spirit of truth. He will guide us into truth. It is hard to know what is true these days. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and we were talking about the whole COVID thing and and the restrictions and whether masks are effective or not and all this stuff. And there's this study, but this study says the opposite. And this person says this and this news source says that. And what the heck is true? And that was the gist of our conversation. Like, I, I don't even know what's true anymore. Do masks work or don't they work? Was the election stolen or wasn't it stolen? You know, there's a million different things going on in our world and it seems like we're all pushed to opposite corners with different sets of information and what the heck is really going on and what is true. Well, guys, we need God to show us what is true and he does that by his spirit, You know, back in the the end of the summer and beginning of the fall, we did the 714 project and we spent 40 days fasting and praying and hopefully developing a deeper connection with God and listening for his voice because the spirit of God, if we will listen, if we will slow down, he will lead us, he will guide us, he will show us what is true and we need that connection with his spirit now more than ever in a day and age when you can't Trust what you see or hear or anything else. You know, the Holy Spirit also empowers you to live your mission in this world. He empowers you to live your mission in this world. You're here for a purpose, and it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. Your purpose, if you're a follower of Jesus, your purpose is to help other people find and follow God. Now, Jesus is... He is It's after the crucifixion. He's spending time with his disciples. He's risen from the dead, and he's getting ready to leave. He'll be back like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He will be back, but he's getting ready to go, and he's leaving his entire mission in the hands of somewhere between 12 and 125 undereducated yahoos from Galilee. And he says, look, guys, here's what you need to do. I want you to go into Jerusalem, and I want you to wait in Jerusalem. And when, as you're waiting, just wait, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He does this in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 2. I recommend you go read read all this. But he sends the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, but he says, I want you to wait. And he goes, you will receive power. This is Acts 1-8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He will empower you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus says basically, look, guys, I know we're just a bunch of yahoos from Galilee, but you're going to change the world and the Holy Spirit of God is going to give you the power to do it. And he is going to open your mouth and make, guys, against every odd in the universe, this little Band of misfits goes on to change the world till today we've got 2.2 billion of us and we're continuing to grow. That doesn't happen without the power of God working within them. God took up residence in their heart and he empowered them and he empowers you to change the world. In Acts 4, 31, a couple of the disciples had gotten arrested and they were having a prayer meeting for them and some angels came and busted them out of jail and they show up at the prayer meeting, and everybody is like, whoa, unbelievable they're here. And so they pray, God, give us boldness and, and, and just, you know, reach out your hand and do powerful things that the world may know that you are who you are. And it says, after they prayed in Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. These people had already received the Holy Spirit, but they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. And we see this over and over through Scripture. It's not a one-time thing. God continues to fill us with his Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. They were empowered to speak boldly. And they were under a tremendous amount of persecution. God empowers us by his Spirit. As I said earlier, you can bum the Holy Spirit out too. That's important to know. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to Ephesians 4.30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't bum the Holy Spirit out. It says, you know, I, I, when you get bummed out, somebody's a bummer, you know, somebody's bumming you out. You don't necessarily write them off completely, but you kind of steer clear, you're less you know less less engaged you kind of put some some boundaries on on things the when we bum out the holy spirit there is less less of his power less of his 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 ex, of experiencing his presence in our lives you don't want to do this and then he goes on in verse 31 to explain what he means by don't bum out the holy spirit and he says look get rid of these things cuz these will bum out the holy spirit bitterness rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Like, how's your heart? Make sure these things aren't in there and make sure you're not living these things out. And then he says, kind of juxtaposes with how we are to live. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Guys, when we live with malice, When we live with bitterness or unforgiveness or or an ongoing anger, it jacks up our relationship with God. It jacks up the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, here's what I know. Dial in for a moment. There are a lot of us that are really ticked off right now. There are a lot of us that are looking around at what's going on in our world, and we're mad. Maybe you're mad about the election. Maybe you're mad because you believe the election has been stolen from Donald Trump, and you're pissed. Or maybe you're mad because there are other people who believe that the election was stolen, and they're standing in the way and making a mess of everything, and you're pissed. Maybe you're mad about the COVID restrictions and and what they're, you know, you know, I mean, they're what they're, they're doing to confine your life, or maybe you're looking at the, the other side and you're mad at the people who are refusing to comply because they're putting your life in danger, and you're mad! Either way, my question for you is, how's your heart? How is your heart? Is there bitterness? Is there anger? Is there rage? Now, I'm not saying we can't or shouldn't stand for righteousness or justice or or those things. What I am saying is a bitter heart will jack up your relationship with God. And it doesn't matter if you're right or not. It will jack up your relationship with God. Tend your heart. There are some of us who need to repent There are some of us who need to forgive the people that we disagree with. And it doesn't mean we can't come back and have other conversations. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means we do it from a place of peace and love and compassion and forgiveness. How's your heart? Because you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Something else you need to understand about the Holy Spirit is this. The indwelling Holy Spirit is available to all of Jesus' followers. Not just some, not just those people, but not me. The indwelling Holy Spirit is available to all of Jesus' followers. In John 14, 23, Jesus says this. He says, anyone. Who? Anyone. That would be you. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them, and we will make our home with them jesus is kind of referring to the the trinity his father and him together father son and holy spirit we talked about the trinity last weekend but they will come the spiritual part of god will 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 come and make his home with us in us Last week in Revelations 3, Jesus stood at the door of our hearts and he knocks and he'll come. If we open the door, he'll come in and live in us. It is the indwelling presence of God and it is available to anyone who chooses to follow Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples go. Jesus leaves after he says, I'm going to empower you and you're going to be my witnesses. Jesus leaves. They go to Jerusalem. They find a room. They hole up for a bunch of days and they're just waiting. They're just obeying Jesus what he told them to do. And they're hanging out there and they're waiting for they're not even sure what or how, what it's going to look like or what's going to happen. And then one day this wind appears in the house that they're waiting in and it's just and it is so loud and it is so disruptive that people from all over the city of Jerusalem come running to see what the heck is going on and these crazy supernatural things happen these ribbons of fire come down and and sit over top of each of the apostles heads and and then they start speaking in Foreign languages proclaiming god 's goodness and his and who he is, and they all it all spills out onto the streets and people are gathering around and you've got these Galileans who are not multilingual proclaiming. God in multiple languages. It just so happened that there was a festival going on in Jerusalem and there were God-fearing Jews from all over the world there. And so they all began hearing the wonders of God in their languages from a bunch of Galileans who can't speak their languages. And people were like, what the heck's going on? And it sounds like it was a bit disruptive. And as 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 um. As things started to wind down a little bit or wind up, I'm not sure, Peter stands up and takes charge of the situation. And he says says this, says, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It must have been a little bit disorderly. It's only nine in the morning they're not drinking. no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Do you remember the prophet Joel, the guy who lived nine hundred years before this the, the prophet who in in the the, the midst of this darkness of humanity being separated from God spoke of a day that would come when God's spirit would be poured out, where the wall of separation would come down and where, where human beings could have a personal relationship, a personal connection, an indwelling presence of God, like, like things will go back to what the way they were meant at the beginning and he goes on and quotes Joel, in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And Peter goes on to say, look, this is this. This is, this is what Joel wrote about. This is the turning of the page. This is the new era, the era of the spirit. And that darkness that we have lived in for a long time, is it can go away. And Jesus died to bring that wall down so that we can enter the spiritual, spirit realm, not when we die. But today. And he explains all of this, and it says, if you go down to verse 37 in Acts 2, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replies, He says, Repent and be baptized. There's the water, right? You know, the the water and the spirit. Repent and be baptized. Turn from your sin, place your faith in Jesus, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then the wall comes down, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You, not you might. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is for you and for your children. This promise that Joel wrote 900 years ago that our people have been longing for, for a millennia, and this promise is being fulfilled, and it's for you and it's for your kids, and it's for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord, our God, will call. 2.2 billion people later, guys, the Holy Spirit is for all who God calls, for all who place their faith in Jesus and receive the forgiveness that he gives us because of the cross. And because of that, he can come and he can live in our hearts and he can fill our gas tanks and we can fly down the highway the way we were designed rather than sitting in the driveway wondering what life is all about. And so my question for you today is, do you want the Holy Spirit? Do you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? I hope that you do. He is the answer. He is the thing that fills the empty in our lives. In Ephesians 5, 18, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. He's saying, don't try and fill the empty in your heart with alcohol and drugs, which leads to debauchery, which is just like sinful behavior. And that's the stuff we try and fill that empty with. He says, don't do that. Don't fill your life with things that will leave you empty in the end anyway. Instead be filled with the Spirit, be filled, be empowered, be led, be enlightened, be helped, be filled with the Spirit. Guys, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and forgive your sins, if you've never repented and turned to him and asked him to lead your life, that's the first step. And he says, when we do that, we receive the Holy Spirit. But as Paul writes in f- Ephesians 5.18 there, when he says be filled with the Spirit, he's talking about there's a tense in the original language. It's, it's go on being filled with the Spirit. It's something that happens on, on an ongoing basis. And you might have profound spiritual experiences along the way where you feel like, wow, I was really f- filled. And I, I, for me, I pray every day, God, fill me with your Spirit. And I want to invite you to do the same. So, do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be filled with more of the Holy Spirit? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, I want want you to do that now. If you're ready, repent. Eventually you need to get baptized. But right now, just turn from the things in your life that you know are wrong. And you can say something along these lines. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I choose to follow you. Would you forgive my sin? And Holy Spirit, would you come and fill my heart? That's for those who have never done that before. For most of us, we have done that. Maybe you're feeling a little little, uh, little low in the, in the spiritual tank. Like you might be running out of gas. Well, he's still there. But he goes on filling us. He goes on empowering us. And I want to invite you to invite him to fill you today. So just close your eyes. I want to invite you just to be still for a moment. Sometimes it just takes quiet. And just say something like this, say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill me today? Would you empower me today? Would you touch my life in a deeper way today? as we sing this next song I want to encourage you to uh, just continue to invite him to fill you and touch your life Lord thank you for what you're doing thank you for what you've done thank you that we live in the age of the spirit in Jesus name, Amen Thanks again for joining us here at the vineyard It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website vineyardwheeling.com or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.